Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021. I'm David Menzies, and as always on a Tuesday and Thursday, I am joined by my lovely co-host. She is a woman that makes it feel that it's always a long weekend. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? Did you have a nice week? Sheila, I am sorry, but I am not hearing you. Yes, and unfortunately, oh, now I can hear you. There you go. Yes. Okay. And unfortunately, I was, and I was trying to read your lips, <laughs> and there seemed to be some hard K words involved there, or maybe I was misreading. I don't know, but please, <laughs> please resume what you were saying. <laughs> I just said I had a great long weekend, and I hope you did too. I did a little bit of work, and I'm assuming that you probably did too, because you never take any time off, because... At Rebel News, the news never stops and neither do we. Yeah, you know, that's true. Uh, as the saying goes, when news breaks, Sheila Gunn-Reed tapes it back together. You know, Sheila, I was <laughs> I was totally working out this weekend. It was the first weekend I've had off in so long. And I got to tell you, I collapsed in my bed last night, just aching, full of pain. I thought all this exercise is supposed to be paying off. But then again, I was mentioning to Mr. Producer, who naturally jumped to the conclusion that I'm a cheapskate, that the suit I'm wearing now is something I bought in 2006, and it still fits. So take that, Justin. Is that the truth? Yes. In 2006? Yeah. It's 2021, David. I know. That's so, the, your suit is the same age as my daughter, my middle child. Maybe maybe your daughter and my suit can go for a coffee together. Yeah, that thing's almost old enough to vote in the next election. That's shocking to me. Yes, the next election. What do you... what? What do you hear, Sheila? Is, is that uh, we're hearing maybe this week or next week, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau going to Redu Hall and uh, dissolving Parliament and going for an election? Is, is it going to happen or, or what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I have no idea. The people have been sort of thinking an election was on the horizon for months now, but... I will tell you, and we'll get to it in a little bit, the um, friskiness of the public sector unions and Unifor would lead me to believe that there's a there's an election on the horizon. It would lead me to believe that they know something we don't know, and that wouldn't surprise me since they are the um, Unifor is the union representing the throne sniffing uh, journalists in the mainstream media. So. Um, you know, could could very well be the case. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, it was funny. I, I reached out to uh, a conservative MP who was speaking to me about the speculation. And, you know, it's funny. If the election is called in September or October, evidently that means there are many MPs that are one month short of the, uh, of the six-year minimum to mm -hmm. get that pension. And... I said to him that, you know, that leads me to believe maybe, you know, he'll call it for November uh, yes. so that every and he said, oh, no, 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 because the way Justin Trudeau thinks. And I mean, talk about Machiavelli and Sheila is that if you need that one month more for an election, that means you got to win 
you are going to try harder as opposed to mailing it in and just getting your pension. So maybe that's the impetus, even for his own liberal MPs, you know, to call an early election. Wouldn't put it past him, Sheila. Totally the mentality of a trust fund guy, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Completely. That's perfect. Just exactly. <laughs> um, we should tell everybody what we're doing here before we get too far in the weeds. And we do want to talk about the um, communication strategy of the good folks at Unifor, the mega union, um, after uh, we <clears throat> tell everybody what we're doing here. So this is the Rebel News daily live stream. Used to just be on Friday, just hosted by Ezra. Pandemic struck. Everybody was sort of grounded. We couldn't travel. Um, and a lot of you at home were stuck at home, too. You had work from home orders. Maybe the government forcibly closed your business for health and safety. Um, and so we thought, why not talk to you at home for an hour every single workday? Uh, it gives David and I, when we host on Tuesday and Thursday, um, it, I mean, it gives a, me in particular a chance to interact with the office. I get to talk to my friend David for over an hour, which is the quickest hour of work all week long. I can't even believe I get paid for it. I get to uh, talk to Justin briefly. Um, although these days, because we haven't figured out the communication setup with the new TriCaster, it's sort of on text instead of actually having Justin peek in my ear. And it used to give us a chance to allow our viewers to support us completely willingly. We used to stream on YouTube before YouTube went full Dr. Evil and demonetized us. <laughs> um, they, they, they used to allow us to accept thing, something called a super chat um, where you could throw a little money our way and we would read your comment on air. They took that away from us. However, they haven't completely kicked us off the platform. I think that's only a matter of time. Um, but while we're there, we still get to talk to 1.5 million YouTube subscribers. And we also get to tell those subscribers, if you're watching us here, can I suggest you take an off-ramp to a platform that doesn't really care about your politics? I think that's the best way to be as a platform. I don't want them to be all that conservative. I just want them to not care about what I have to say and just let me say it. Um, and so uh, that's why we stream on Rumble. We also stream on Super U. And on Super U, you can support the work that we do through something called a Super U Shout. You can leave a tip for us as a creator there. And we also are streaming on Odyssey. On Odyssey, you can support our work two different ways. You can tip us as a creator or you can leave us uh, hyperchat. Now, you can hyperchat us two different ways. And I know this is all very confusing and it's going to get worse because I'm about to talk about cryptocurrency, which I don't know anything about. Um, but Odyssey has their own cryptocurrency. It's called a library. You can buy some of that which I think supports Odyssey. So you can buy some of their cryptocurrency and donate it to us, or you can donate to us in the form of a regular old fiat currency donation, and you can do that through something called a hyperchat. So there's two different ways, um, and one of them involves cryptocurrency, which I don't understand, but you know what? You people at home are pretty savvy. That's why you're here, so you'll know what to do. Yeah, I don't understand it either, Sheila. I think if this was centuries ago, I'm in the role of Jack selling the cow for magic beans. <laughs> but then again, <laughs> the magic beans did pay off and they were magic, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's my hope. Uh, we all have a little bit of cryptocurrency um, and it comes with a 20 word password. 
that you cannot lose, and it has to be recited in the same order or else your cryptocurrency uh, goes into zero after so many tries. I find it terrifying. <laughs> I know. I know. You have to cast a spell to get access to your cryptocurrency and offer a sacrifice. I'm like, you know what? It's just going to go in the gun safe forever. My one day my kids will figure out what to do with it. That's my hope. <laughs> That's my hope too, you know, so, uh, but without further ado, you did mention uh, Unifor, uh, the largest uh, private sector uni uh, union in the country. And the resistance, they're the resistance. Do you remember you know? that? You remember yeah, that? the only resistance was in their waistbands, but that's just me being rude. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, there's there's no resistance in what they're paying for for their headquarters. I drive by it, mm -hmm. uh, and I can see it from the 404 every day. It's uh, a nice ivory tower they got going uh, with. Um, but anyways, uh, they're up to their old shenanigans, aren't they, uh, Sheila? Yeah. Before we talk about it, why don't we uh, do a little show and tell and see their most recent ad? presumably going into another federal election very shortly. The next model of conservative is here. Meet the 2021 O'Toole, ready to steer Canada in the wrong direction. Engineered by big corporations to leave us behind. Driven to cut health care and public services, just like Jason Kenney. Another out-of-touch politician at a price we can't afford. Meet the 2021 O'Toole. New name, same old conservative. Goodness I gracious. Wish. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, I you know. know. Like, yeah. Don't threaten me with a good time. You're telling me that Harper's hiding in the background? I the, wish, but that's oh, not that the case. I agree. That reveal <laughs> at the end when O'Toole's name comes off and the faded Harper's there, I, I'll give you 50 grand for that truck. <laughs> <laughs> As is, right? You know, and, and Sheila, by the way, let's make no mistake here. The, they could have chosen any vehicle as an old jalopy falling apart on the road. But make no mistake, that is deliberate that they go to the pickup truck category. This yep. is the vehicle of the rural rube, the country bumpkin, the redneck, the hillbilly. That's why they chose that. That is the first conceit in this ad. But beyond optics and visuals, Sheila, I wonder, you know, when you look at who Unifor represents, for example, uh, there's a lot of media representation mm -hmm. with Unifor. Um, my favorite paper in Toronto, the Toronto Sun, I can tell you most of the people, they lean right. Uh, our friend Joe Warmington, he's not some mm -hmm. NDP green voting guy. If I'm Joe Warmington or anyone else with this paper and I'm paying my union dues, I am saying, how bloody damn dare you run an ad like that, trashing one party, the party that I'm hoping to support, although Aaron O'Toole is making it hard to do. But that's besides the point. This outrageous bias on my dime, that's the, the, the big problem with this ad, just like the We Are the Resistance ads from uh, something like six years ago, Sheila. Again, I remember the resistance was only in their waistband. Um, what a surly looking bunch those guys were. Anyway, uh, I, I got a couple of points here. So this is, they particularly chose a pickup truck. And I think it is a, a hat tip to their union media friends. Their, their media friends in the uh, uniform mega union. Because the conservatives were highly critical of that elitist article 
a couple, uh, about a week ago where they said, you know, they attacked pickup truck owners and they yep. basically wanted pickup trucks banned from the streets. And conservatives rightly pointed out that that's an elitist pile of garbage and not everybody lives in downtown Toronto. And uh, furthermore, this is not a communist country. You don't get to tell me what I get to buy with my own money. Just get out of my life, right? Um, so this, I think, is like a, hey, media guys, we got your back. Don't worry. But secondarily, they're making fun of the working man here, yeah. which I think is a bold take for a union that claims to be pro-working man. You know, when I was a 16-year-old farm kid, that truck with the mismatched door reminded me of our farm truck. Yeah. Like, I remember being a little kid. My dad had a red Ford Courier with a yellow door. Uh, and I picked a lot of rocks and put them in the box of that little baby pickup truck. And so I don't think this quite has the effect on me that I think Unifor intended it to have. It might speak to downtown Toronto elitists, but the rest of the country, the country that, or like the parts of the country that like do things with their back in their hands, they look at this and say, uh, that's pretty smug. But also let's talk about the people who are forced against their will into the Unifor mega union and say you're building trucks in Oshawa or wherever they build trucks these days. This is your union attacking pickup trucks. How far do they think that's going to go with the like run of the mill union guy who doesn't want to be in a union except for the fact that we don't have right to work legislation in this country? Oh, Sheila, you nailed it with that. And I was going to make that point too. <clears throat> in when we look at vehicle categories, the one category, and it's only one really right now, if you look at compact cars, luxury vehicles, SUVs, crossovers, all the rest, is the pickup truck sector is still domestically dominated by far. Ram, GM, Ford, and these are all union jobs making these trucks domestically, um, no matter what Toyota, or Nissan or Honda with the Ridgeline try to do, they can't take any kind of noticeable dent out of the market share for pickup trucks in North America made by North Americans that are unionized. And yep. here they are mocking the pickup. Are these guys mentally ill? This is unbelievable. They haven't been able to connect the dots. And why? Why is it for the, you know, I, again, where's the beef, as Clara Peller used to say in the 80s on the Wendy's ads, what Aaron O'Toole or Conservative Party of Canada policy is so egregious to the rank and file of the private sector unions that this makes this political party a target? I don't think it has anything to do with the rank and file. I think the rank and file, I think the union leadership a long time ago, and we saw this in the United States in the election of Donald Trump, the union leadership and the union membership, they have a parting of the ways politically um, because whereas, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, conservatives and Republicans, they used to paint them as the party of bankers and businessmen, but now it's blue collars. It's the guys who bring you the energy, who work the rigs, drive pickup trucks. It's farmers. It's because they are not the party of big business. They're the party of 
small business, by and large, big business is largely political. They're pro-censorship, they're pro-climate change, they're all those things. It's the small business owner where it's just the one guy who's a contractor in his shop. It's the small restaurant owner. It's the farmer. Um, those people are voting Republican. They're voting conservative. And so this is Unifor speaking directly to their leadership and the Liberal Party and the journalists in their union, but who also cover the Liberals. This is not the union communicating the thoughts of their membership at all. This is a complete and total disconnect. No, you're, you're quite right. And in a way, I liken it to the NDP itself, Sheila. You have, sure. uh, that is a party that is torn into two divisions right now. There are those that want, like pipeline jobs, those are good union yep. paying jobs to put those pipelines in. And the other head of the Hydra is the downtown Toronto NDP that, that is sipping on a latte at Starbucks talking about climate change and carbon emissions and all this uh, rigmarole. And they are at odds with one another. Listen, the federal NDP, if you go back half a century under Ed Broadbent, that was about representing the blue collar worker. That's what the Democrats used to represent south of the border too. Um, as you said, and now uh, these kind of blue collar workers are realizing these guys are frauds. They don't speak to me. They're not trying to save my job. And in the U.S., you're right. They are more and more. That is an ongoing trend voting Republican. So um, it, 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 they are I'm not sure they understand who they are going to bat for, Sheila, given that so many of their members in Unifor would be dead set against an ad like we just saw. Yeah, I, I alluded to what was happening in the United States. The AFL-CIO, they largely, that's like their mega union. They largely, well, not largely, uniformly endorsed the Democrats. But their membership, a lot of them went to Trump because Trump campaigned directly to them. Correct. And there's a lesson in there. There's a lesson in there for conservatives. You should be in Oshawa campaigning with the auto workers, speaking directly to them, like what Trump did in the Rust Belt, what Trump did in coal country, where the the coal miners union bosses by and large supported the Democrats, but the coal miners themselves were having prayer circles and prayer vigils for the president. Hmm. Um, there's a lesson there for conservatives. I'm just not sure they're going to learn it. Ultimately, Sheila, it comes down to this in any kind of marketing or advertising campaign. Is this a PR win or a PR fumble? I personally think it's a fumble, even if you're not voting conservative. It, it's just, you know, the polls indicate right now that it is likely if an election were called, uh, the Justin Trudeau liberals would win another mandate. The question is, is it majority or minority government? So I don't understand, you know, it seems odd you would heap on against the conservatives for an election that by all accounts looks like it's gonna go liberal anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's probably the point though, is it's going to go liberal. So what's the embarrassment or what's the loss for Unifor? I mean, they learned absolutely nothing from the blowback they got from their resistance campaign ad. Um, they and the journalists didn't seem to care either. Like if you were a journalist, 
with very few exceptions, let me say. But if you were a journalist and you were trying to maintain your objectivity um, as you were approaching an election campaign and you want that, would you want your union running these sorts of ads? No, but by and large, the journalists never said anything about it. They've dropped all pretense of being unbiased and and willing to cover the conservatives fairly at all. Sheila, that is such an excellent point. If you were a journalist trying to write an objective piece and you reached out to a source, it is absolutely fair game for that person to say, wait a minute, your union is anti-conservative. It's anti-conservative party, anti-air no tool. You've, you're, at, you're actually running ads, outrageous ads of a, of a pickup truck falling apart. Yeah. Saying so, how, how can I trust anything you're gonna write? How can I trust you're not going to construe my words uh, to make me look anti-conservative as well? It, it, the, I feel for those journalists who are not you know, trained SEALs for the Justin Trudeau liberals trying to do journalism, and then their union basically backstabs them with that ad. Uh, yeah, but there's very few of them. So I don't think Unifor is all too worried about Joe I Warmington. Count on one hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? You know, but <laughs> well, from an outrageous ad, why don't we go to an outrageous border policy? That is still in existence. Um, we're going to uh, throw a clip here, folks, of an individual I interviewed. He went over from Ontario to New York State, uh, ostensibly for an MRI. That's a very important medical procedure, which if you go through the system here, you might die while you're waiting in line. So, yeah. uh, But you can go over to the privatized healthcare in Buffalo, and uh, I think it's around 1000 bucks. Uh, you can get your MRI right away. He was only gone less than four hours. And, well, things didn't turn out so well for him when he came back to Canada. You've got proof of that. You have had the COVID test. You have proof that you tested negative and you're within the time frame. What's the problem? The problem is, is the Canadian government does not accept their own standards. They don't believe the testing is the same as the U.S. testing because they said, I have to have a U.S. test. As but why? Ari uh, required a MRI, and uh, crossing the border uh, was the quickest way that he could obtain an MRI, as MRIs are quite difficult to obtain in Ontario, not to mention that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has created a significant backlog for uh, some of those medical procedures. And yet he comes back to Canada after seeking medical attention and is hit with a $5,000 fine. Now, $5,000 fine is quite a bit of money, not to mention the victim fine surcharge. That's usually about 20% on top of that. So, so Ari is actually facing a $6,250 ticket. However, it's important to note that uh, every citizen in Canada does have protected rights as guaranteed by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So my job here with the legal team of paralegals and lawyers in Ontario is to uh, successfully defend the interests and rights of people like Mr. Clayman. The victim surcharge of $1,250. Who's Ari, the victim here? Yeah, he's Who's the, the victim. victim? <laughs> <laughs> he should get that money directly in his pocket. Secondly, folks, here's my advice. If you're gonna go over to the border for whatever amount of time, first of all, go to a sports store 
get a Blue Jays jersey and a Blue Jays cap <laughs> yeah. and a baseball glove. And when you come over, just say uh, you're with the farm team of the Toronto Blue Jays, which on yeah. Friday was granted a national interest exemption. You see, the multi-million dollar Blue Jay players, uh, they can come and go over the border. Every other team is an American-based team, after all. They don't have to go to the COVID-19 motel hells and quarantine because I guess they're millionaires and their owner is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, robbers, yep. I mean Rogers uh, Communications. <laughs> so that's what I would do. I'd just say, you know, I'm with Double uh, A Ball uh, just coming over to try to make the big team. And uh, if they buy it, they go, be our guest, sir, uh, on, your, on your way. I, and I mean, Sheila, how outrageous is that? A sports team gets a national interest exemption. I mean, it, it almost sounds like it's the military coming over and the national interest is defending Canada, not playing nine innings of ball down at the Sky Dome. There's so many layers of things that I hate in all of this. <laughs> for example, if this guy actually did work for the Blue Jays who have a national interest exemption, he wouldn't have to leave the country to get an MRI. He yes. would just get bumped to the front of the line because while well, people say there's only one tier of healthcare in Canada, not if you're a professional athlete. You Correct. can get to the front of the line while guys like this have to leave the country to get medical care and then get dinged for it, penalized for it, paywalled for it on the way back. It's outrageous. Um, but that's also a problem. The fact that this guy has to leave his country because he doesn't want to suffer in a line is a real problem here. But no, nobody cares about that at the border. He just doesn't want to end up. He, obviously, he's got something that he needed an MRI for. It's none of my business. Um, but he doesn't want to get shoved into now one of Justin Trudeau's molesty COVID jails. And for that, you know, big fine. And he's got to pay a victim surcharge to who? Who's the victim here? Yeah. Uh, who, besides besides him, I don't. is it... Uh, Justin Trudeau, are his feelings hurt because you didn't want to go to one of his rapey jails? It, it, Sheila, it makes no sense. And let's be clear about something. When he made that less than four hour trip into New York State, he was in the 72 hour bubble of his negative COVID test that he had done right. in Canada. Why does he have to go back to New York State from the bridge like the border agent wanted to get yet another test when he's already in that 72 hour. That makes no sense. In terms of a risk assessment, Sheila, I mean, I think Ari being the modern day version of typhoid Mary, the, the chance of that, well, the number rhymes with hero, if you catch my drift. And I think it also, it, it speaks volumes that when you are coming across a border, are going into an airport, it really depends so much doesn't it, Sheila, on who the human being is you get yep. in that uniform. If I had that job and I saw the evidence, he's tested negative, he was gone for less than four hours, he's in the 72-hour bubble, I go, right, mate, you're off, you know, have a nice day. But no, there, there's the COVID Karens out there, and there's been no other time in history than this pandemic that has made them rise to the occasion of uh, making people's lives miserable. Yeah, we see this all the time with fight the fines cases yeah. with these quarantine jail uh, tickets. Um, I had a, a fight the fines case where um, the husband came home first from Brazil. He gets one ticket and it's way less. 
then the wife and daughter come home and she's like, I am not going to one of those jails and I am definitely not taking my little tiny daughter to it. She gets a ticket, a completely different amounts than her husband who did the exact same thing gets. And her friend who she was on the plane with just breezes right through, no tickets, no nothing, goes straight home. So they're just making it up as they go at the border because the, everything's changing so fast. We can't expect the Canadian public to know the the rules and follow them, even if they wanted to, yeah. which I don't. But even if they wanted <laughs> to, they couldn't because the people writing the tickets don't even know the rules. And, and Sheila, also, let's be clear about something. Uh, some of these COVID-19 so-called quarantine hotels, yes, there are some that are completely fenced off like that ratty Radisson on uh, Dixon Road near the Toronto airport. But there are others that are hybrids. Half of the hotel is for quarantine and half is for any Tom, Dick and Harry uh, passing through. By definition, that's not a quarantine facility anymore. This is all about optics. This is about the Justin Trudeau liberals saying to Canadians, look how seriously we take the Wuhan virus. We are setting up these quarantine hotels, half of which aren't really true quarantine hotels. But let's not the, 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 uh, the details get in the way of a good story, shall we? We saw this firsthand with Kian Bexty when he was taken into the sausage maker of the COVID jail system. <laughs> when he came back from Florida, I jumped in my Jeep and I drove down to interview him. He's on the third floor of a hotel in Calgary paying a different rate, an inflated rate, and he can't order from the restaurant that's attached to the hotel like everybody else could. Floors one, two, and four, not quarantine floors. Those people can come and go as they please. They're paying a different rate for the same room as Kian, a lower rate, and they can order from the the attached restaurant. It's outrageous, but as you say, it's all about um, giving perception that the liberals were actually doing something because they refused to close the border when they should have closed the border. Um, they never did that. Now they have to punish Canadians who are just trying to exercise their Charter 6 or their Section 6 charter rights to come and go as they please. Oh, and, and Sheila, I, I think the most outrageous story we did on this is when Catherine and I went out to a hotel again near the Toronto airport where a uh, lady, Sarah, um, alleged that she was sexually assaulted by, get this, folks, somebody off the street pretending he worked at the hotel. So, yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, there's an update to that, Sheila. Uh, police have identified the man and they have laid charges. So down Thank the road, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. But imagine that. Um, here's some random Joe standing near the elevator, pretending he works at a hotel, waiting for young ladies to come into the hotel so he can you know, try to do some monkey business. Meanwhile, when Catherine and I show up to do a film report, well, naturally, they threaten to phone the police because we're trespassing. Yeah, if you're if you're a total weirdo, yeah. uh, th <laughs> this is the perfect situation for you because your victims are captive. They're captive. Uh, the state is holding them hostage. And if you are a cagey weirdo, and weirdos tend to be, you can get in there and do whatever you want to those people because they can't leave because if they leave, they're going to get a fine they can't afford. 100%. Which is why, which is why I'm so proud of fightthefines.com um, because, you know, an $800 ticket, a $1,200 ticket, a $5,000 ticket, 
for people who are already devastated by the lockdown, that can destroy their lives. It can yep. tear their family apart. And I'm so glad that we're able to lift that burden and we can say to women, you don't have to go to these places where you don't feel safe. Go home and we've got it from there. And, and you know, Sheila, again, on the alleged sexual assault case that we covered, if you were the front desk clerk and you saw, unless this guy was a friend of somebody in the hotel, and that might be the case, there's, we, we don't know sure. yet. But if he was a stranger just standing at the elevator, like Norman the doorman, pretending he worked there, wouldn't you after, oh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour and a half, wouldn't you go, uh, excuse me, sir, can I help you? Are you a guest here? I mean, why would you, how would you not uh, investigate this to make sure that everything's on the level? Maybe you're too busy making sure the inmates don't leave their rooms, you know, like <laughs> these uh, hotel workers have been given this whole extra role of jail guard that they don't know how to do. Yeah. And so, of course, naturally, these things happen. Incredible. No, I think you're right. Sheila, I believe we have some chats that we must get to. Yes. Um, and before I get emails about Sheila, you were playing with your phone and you weren't paying attention to David or the live stream. <laughs> My phone signed me out of WhatsApp, so I was completely out of communication with Justin there, and so I had to fix that and sign myself back in, and then get it on my can or on my computer, so it could be on my monitor, so that I could read it. So there, don't send me any email saying Sheila's not paying attention to David. I cannot pay any more attention to David. Um, <laughs> no, and folks, I, I, I echo that. I, I mean, when Sheila <laughs> is looking at her phone uh, and it seems that she's ignoring me, she is doing exactly what Lady Menzoid and I do when we're walking. She's on her phone. I think she's playing Pokemon Go like it's 2016 yep. still. So. We still play it. Don't make fun of her. I play it and she plays it. <laughs> so being ignored by the opposite sex, so that just comes naturally to me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, yeah. I'm not a Pokemon fighter. I'm a Pokemon <laughs> collector. I'm running a Pokemon zoo. I don't know what to do with them when I catch them, but boy, I like catching them. But I just, I'm just like, what am I supposed to do with them? Abuse them by making them do like a Pokemon version of bum fights? I don't want to be a part of that. Well, I'll Sheila, them. that no doubt is the hunter in you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I want to eat those Pokemon. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, anyways, we got to get to some of these uh, chats. And I know that, Annalisa, you tipped us. Oh. I think it was $20. Wow. But that was also when my phone signed me out. So let me thank you for your generosity. Thank you. Um, she also says, good morning, sweet Menzies and beautiful Sheila. Oh, oh Annalisa. That is so uh, kind of you. I hope you had a nice long week. What are they called in Alberta? In Toronto, it's uh, Simcoe Day. I know there's a move afoot to cancel that, but for now, it's still Simcoe Day. Is it? What is it called in your neck of the woods, uh, Sheila? It's Heritage Day long weekend. Oh, Heritage Day. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that might she get also, canceled too. <laughs> I don't know. It's all about multiculturalism. So I don't know. I think it's safe for now. Um, when is the Menzies body pillow coming out? Menzies, <laughs> is that a chat? <laughs> yeah, that was her question. Oh, that was Menzies her question. Body pillow. Jeez. I don't even know what that is. What is a body pillow? I only it's use a pillow for my head. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's kind of scary. <laughs> I know it is. Let's keep going. We've got a rumble chat from Noble Canadian. This is a question David can answer because I think he's done this. Can David or Sheila explain declining your vote and if it has any effect? 
Yes, I, I, I have done that, I think twice, uh, which just shows you the lack of choice uh, we have in, in elections. Basically, you, go, you ask the, uh, I guess the scrutineer is the proper term. You just say, excuse me, I would like to decline my vote. And then they normally, they, uh, this is new ground for them, especially if they're a new volunteer. So they go and get whoever's in charge. Now, what, once upon a time, Sheila, on one of my declines, the guy said, can you just spoil your ballot? And I go, no, I don't want to spoil my ballot. I, uh, spoiling a ballot means I'm too stupid to put an X in one circle, right? Declining a ballot is me sending a message to all of the candidates and all the parties, none of you are worth my vote. And they bring a piece of paper and I sign it and, and they're just trying to get out of that work. And what I've always said, Sheila, is that even in this upcoming election, if you feel there's nobody to vote for, don't spoil your ballot because they just assume you're too stupid to fill out a ballot. And don't stay at home. But imagine this, Sheila. Could you imagine, say, in the province of Ontario, two, three million people came out on election day and declined their ballot? Can you imagine the message that would send? Mm -hmm. The lot of you, you're rubbish. That would be great. So staying at home, that is just laziness. Go there, ask for the form, fill it out, decline your ballot. And uh, that's a way to make a political statement, 100%. Yeah, I mean, that just reminds me of what Justin Trudeau just did to the Alberta Senate election. So, um, boy, what a way to make sure that Albertans don't have a choice um, mm. and that our votes our votes don't, don't count. We, I have a story coming out about it, but Justin Trudeau, has appointed an Alberta senator. Now, the reason this is controversial is might not be known to the rest of the country, but for decades, we have elected our senators here in Alberta because why would we let some detached Laurentian idiot tell us who's going to represent us in the Senate? Um, so we run Senate elections when we do our municipal elections and then we elect those people and they're called senators in waiting and we elect two of them. So if you don't like the first one, pick the second one, whatever, who cares? And it's common convention that this is what we do and the prime minister will appoint them so that it's our way of electing our people within the current constitutional framework to do this. Yeah. Justin Trudeau said, no, uh, even though we have said, you know, the writ is dropped for our Senate elections. Last week, Justin Trudeau appointed a Senate, a senator, a longtime liberal, um, the former mayor, I think, of Canmore. Um, and uh, so basically just disenfranchised all of us, said, I don't care what, who you guys choose in October. Uh, I'm not even going to give you the ability to choose anymore. You know, it it's just spiteful. It's vindictiveness. Yeah. Uh, even if this polls tragically for the prime minister in the province of Alberta, what does he care? He's written off the West. He doesn't care. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, and, and I mean, the, the very audacity, Sheila, that I'm going to ignore the will of the people. I'm going to ignore an elected person. I mean, elected, gee, that sounds like democracy. Can't have that. Not with this government. Uh, also, besides the fact that Justin Trudeau did something completely sleazy to the entire Alberta electorate, this lady who accepted this job 
there's already one elected senator sitting there. His name is Mike Shake. Uh, he was passed over in favor of Paula Simons, another Trudeau independent senator, which yeah. is just a pile of garbage. Mike Shake chosen by the people. Trudeau could have chosen him. He could have set aside this Senate appointment until we had a chance to choose another person. He didn't do that. Mm. What is wrong with this lady who took this man's job or has now played a role in disenfranchising the Alberta electorate, said, you know what, I don't care who you choose. It's going to be me. I deserve this lifetime appointment. If she thinks we wanted her to be a senator, she should throw her name on the ballot. But she didn't do that because even she knows you can't get elected as a liberal in Alberta. Unbelievable. Job job thief. What an awful person. Sheila, Um, when are you going to run for Senate? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Never bring it up again, David. Okay. (laughs) I I feel like Linus going to the pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Uh, We've got a hyper chat from Juice Moose. The only thing Unifor resists is teachers going back to the classroom next year. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Oh, but Um, Sheila, we don't have to worry about that because Doug Ford will get into a school bus himself, even though he's not licensed, presumably, to drive a school bus, and he'll bring the kids to school. Isn't that what he said just a couple of weeks ago? I picture him like Chris Farley and Billy Madison, (laughs) that, like, angry school bus driver. Um, Anyways, uh, we have ongoing union protests. Let's not kid ourselves here in Alberta. Um, A very low turnout, though, because what they want is more restrictions. Um, because Alberta has said, like, look, we're not going to force anybody to quarantine anymore in a couple of weeks, I think 10 days maybe, um, and we're not testing people who aren't sick anymore. We don't need to scaremonger people with these inflated case counts that don't actually equal illness or hospitalizations. And so we've decided that, no, it's it's moved from pandemic stage to endemic stage, and so the healthcare unions and the teachers are losing their minds. I call them childless comorbidities because that's the people who are down there protesting. They don't want, um, they want to make sure that there's inflated case counts so that, you know, kids can't go back to school normally or they can't play their sports or they can't go on with their lives. It's a bunch of adults who, who don't care about what prolonging this pandemic does to the little ones amongst us who don't get a say in any of this. And um, it is, by and large, you can see all the signage. It's not grassroots. It's a big, fat union protest. And trust me, these people were very well taken care of during the pandemic. Now's their time to just shut up and let the rest of us go back to work so that they can get their overinflated paychecks. But they just won't do it. And the most ironic part is that they are uh, they say they're not wanting more restrictions. But what do you think it means when you're rounding up inflated case counts? What do you think that's going to do? 100%. But there, there's a bunch of them, like all of them. Well, as many as you can muster in a place like Edmonton or Calgary. They're down there protesting, you know, like a hundred of them. They're all crowded together, chanting, holding signs because they think we need more restrictions. And it's like, so you are engaging in a large scale public gathering because you're against large scale public gatherings. I'm old enough to remember when that was a super spreader event, but whatever, I guess it does really break along political lines. You know, it's amazing, Sheila. There was a period where not a day would go by, I'd be driving around and I'd hear these radio ads from several different um, uh, public uh, sector education school board unions. Um, 
And it was almost like, you remember the opening for the $6 million man back in the 70s? Steve Austin, a man barely alive. And it was like, Doug Ford, a man who wants to kill your children by sending them yeah. back to school. It, couldn't say that word for word, folks, but that was what they were implying. And, you know, it was incredible just 10 minutes before this pandemic broke, because I was interviewing them, these teachers on the picket lines. It, it's amazing how they hated the idea of e-learning because, you you know, because they want small class sizes. They don't want remote learning. And now suddenly it looks like uh, if I can just stay at home or stay at the cottage and teach uh, till the end of time, uh, this e-learning is uh, looking mighty fine to me. I mean, pick a lane for goodness sakes. They don't care about anything. These are the follow the science people, and yet they don't understand the science of how some kids learn one way and other kids learn another way. They want this cookie cutter education system, which means whatever is easiest for the teacher, as opposed to whatever is most effective for the child. And you can see this play out during the pandemic. You see this every time they go on strike, right? It's just all about whatever makes it easier uh, for the teachers involved. And um, anyway, those union protests in Edmonton and Calgary, um, they took place over the weekend. They say they're going to do it for 16 days straight. And at the end of 16 days, when they aren't a super spreader event, they won't even clue in because, <laughs> you know, like no self-awareness, whatever. Um, I don't know what happens after 16 days. I think after 16 days, the restrictions come off of quarantine, like there's no more quarantine restrictions. And so, I don't know, I guess they're gathering in public places together to, I don't know, try to spread COVID. I don't know what they're trying to prove here, but anyways, well, hopefully Sheila, they stop. maybe after day 16, like the Toronto Blue Jays, they apply for a national interest exemption for their protest. <laughs> they're led by a TV doctor too, who's like a Al Gore climate change oh, guy. No. And it's just like, of yeah, course. you know, of course. <laughs> Of course, it's, again, a little too on the nose. Um, let's let's get through some of these because, uh, ah, we only have 14 minutes left in the show. Um, we've got a hyper chat from Juice Moose. Has anyone checked to see if Univor has registered as a third part? as a third party or does the government only require that of people who aren't on the take? I don't know. I think they did actually have to register as a third party last time, didn't they? I'm not sure about that, Sheila, but it sounds, I mean, but if they're running crap like that ad, they should. Yeah. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Uh, we've got a super you shout from Devil's Advocate. What happened to showing reasons to vote for someone other than against the other guy? Look, I'm not against attack ads, but I don't think they're attacking the conservatives here. And I don't think Unifor realizes that. I think they're just attacking the working man, the working class, um, people just struggling to get by with crappy pickups. Um, I've been there. So I don't, I think while Unifor thinks, oh, we're attacking Aaron O'Toole, uh, that's not exactly who they're attacking there. And Sheila, they represent thousands of people. What makes them think that there are no members of Unifor that vote conservative? I mean, how could you be so presumptuous as that? Oh, they don't care because they don't care how their members vote because they get their members money no matter what anyway. That's true. We've got a hyper chat from Rebecca Henderson says, I don't know if you heard Elliot's new framework for Ontario moving past stage three, but the metric is number four. The me but metric number four is completely subjective and isn't defined. Metric number four is scary and will give you government unending emergency power because all four metrics have to be met linked to her announcement. Okay, well, we'll make sure we send that to David so he can investigate that, but also to Mara too, because she's... um. 
she's uh, she's kind of nerdy about that sort of stuff, and she really likes that kind of stuff. So that's good. Oh, super you tip from Mike Mayer at Freedom Honey, and he tipped us five dollars. But that is not the only tip I got from Mike this weekend. Mike is Mike from People versus Predators, and I caught up with them over the weekend at one of their petition signing events. They've got a federal petition now that they have to collect all the signatures in person, either them personally or people can do it for them. And uh, I've got a story coming out about how you can help them do that if you think that there needs to be changes to bail conditions for uh, recidivist sex offenders. Because right now there is no escalating monitoring. Uh, There's no mandatory requirement for them to be away from school. So if or playground. So if a judge forgets to put that in conditions of release, it's just not there. And so um, Mike and Sherry, uh, his wife, were out over the weekend, all long weekend, just rounding up signatures, um, protecting other people's kids. And Mike also says, thanks, Rebels, for everything you do to make the world a better place. Well, give me a break, Mike, Um, because that's from Mike, Sherry and Pedro. And two of those people there are... um, Canadian forces veterans who've already done their time to make the world a better place. And now they're helping kids. So anyways, let me just scooch over and I'm coming back because Mike gave me this over the weekend. And I don't know if you're going to be able to see it with the glare from my lights, but it is Rowdy Roddy Piper, all out of bubblegum, bubblegum soda. And I'm never drinking it. It's going to sit in the studio here right beside my Rebby award. Um, <laughs> from Ezra, um, that's, I, I'm just so grateful. That means a lot to me. And, um, I love that wrestling is... and I love, I love the hot rod. Oh, listen, uh, Sheila, um, when I first started going to live professional wrestling back in the late seventies, I was in high school, there was the Super Bowl match when it would come into Maple Leaf Gardens was Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair, because I really think they did actually hate each other in real life. I think they might have. <laughs> and I would love a bottle of that. Uh, so where, where do you get it? I don't know. I'll have to message Mike later. But with regard to Hot Rod and Ric Flair, I think Ric Flair had some very nice things to say about a Hot Rod after Hot Rod's passing. However, maybe you just don't speak ill of the dead, so I'm not quite sure the relationship. I'll dig down. I've got a real expert on Ric Flair on speed dial, so we'll talk to him later. (laughs) Which is something I never understood about never speaking ill of the dead. Uh, I I mean, I'll never forget when Rennie Levesque of uh, the PQ party, when he passed away, um, how in some of the obituaries, he was being described, Sheila, as a force for unity in Canada. He wanted to separate. He wanted Quebec to be its own nation. How do you yeah. make that that leap? But anyways. Well, it sounds like a Justin Trudeau eulogy for Castro. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got a hyper chat from Juice Moose. Took almost a year to get an MRI on my knee. Yeah. Oh, a year? Uh, yeah. Uh, we've got a hyper chat from Rebecca, Rebecca Henderson. True North reported use of fentanyl, cannabis, and methamphetamines in Canada skyrocketed during the pandemic. What happened to save lives, protect the vulnerable, and harm reduction? Most deadly advice for people struggling with substance abuse is to stay home and stay safe. Isolation is deadly. That's so true. And what I was talking to Mike and Sherry over the weekend, uh, they were also telling me that Um, child abuse and sex trafficking and sex abuse has also skyrocketed during the pandemic because a lot of the ways that these predators get access to your children 
is on the internet and that's what all the kids are doing because they're supposed to stay home and stay safe and they oh, don't gross. have those out they don't have those outside contacts where they would be able to report this sort of stuff anymore Dis despicable and, and and by the way Sheila I believe that when you have all that idle time uh, I think bad things are going to happen whether it's getting victimized by a predator or you know falling into a cycle of drug and alcohol abuse I totally believe that uh, and these are basically the COVID fatalities that won't go in the book as COVID deaths, but it's because of the COVID lockdown, these people are dead. Yeah. And, you know, throw into that people who are struggling to hang on to their sobriety, but are also uh, their sobriety is compromised because one of the reasons they aren't sober all the time is because of depression and depressive tendencies. And then you throw isolation on top of that. And then you throw job loss on top of that. And it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. How sad. Uh, we've got a rumble chat from Chronic Bud 99 like the Rebel shirt says, freedom isn't free. You know what, Justin? This is a great time to pull up the Rebel News store. Yes. Uh, yeah, because I'm wearing my Rebel News Keep Fighting for Freedom shirt today. Uh, Justin, I won't be able to see it, though, when you do pull it up. So, David, you'll have to walk us through the store. Well, yes, we have the gorgeous white cap with simply the word Rebel on it. There's freedom isn't free. I think that's one of our top sellers right now. It is. Yeah. Uh, and Sheila. that's the one that the that that's the one that the chatter refers to. Yeah, that's one of our top sellers. I like it because, look, it's great for Remembrance Day. It's great for Canada Day, but it's great all the time. Red Fridays. Um, to honor those who who really have made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom or, you know, in the instance of Mike and his buddy Pedro um, went to, um, you know, in the interest of freedom to a far flung land to help people he's never met and will never meet again. Yeah, indeed. And uh, then, of course, 1984 was not an instruction manual. Um, you know, poor George Orwell. He was only off by 37 years. <laughs> but the sentiments of that book. And by the way, folks, even if you have read that book, reread it. I did this year and I was amazed at how much I had forgotten and how much of it is actually coming true before our eyes. And uh, well, there you go, Mr. Producer. He uh, switched from the online store even before we got to the Menzoid t-shirt, which if I see you wearing it, the first one that is, you get a crisp brown $100 bill. Tragically, I haven't given that bill out to anyone yet, but the offer is still on the table. Excludes family, friends, and coworkers, of course. <laughs> Darn it. Um, and... That's at rebelnewsstore.com. And yeah. I know by now you've all used the coupon code Sheila10. So if you want to get 10% off in the Rebel News Store and you haven't already used the coupon code, might I suggest Menzies10? Yes, please. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. We got a rumble chat from Sherry21 uh, or Share21, sorry. It says, I still see people masked alone in cars here in Calgary. I saw the same thing yesterday in Edmonton, and I was like, this is why I don't come to the city. These people are just living in fear. You know, Sheila, I have no skin in the, the game when it comes to that. I went uh, I was down downtown Toronto, and on the way in on Saturday, I noticed ones and twos of people by themselves in cars with the windows rolled up and a mask on. And for some reason, it makes me angry. I mean, like... And I'm, I'm ashamed of myself because, listen, if you want to wear that face diaper in your own vehicle and there's absolutely no science behind it, so be it. But how could you be so indoctrinated? How can you be 
so sheep-like in believing the narrative that these Wuhan cooties are floating around and I best wear a mask. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised these people wear a mask to bed, Sheila. I am, I do get mad. And I know I shouldn't because I should be sad for them. <laughs> I, I really should. I should be full of pity for them. But I just I just want to grab them and shake them and say, <laughs> you, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to be like this. You, the world is a wonderful, beautiful place. Get out there and live your life and smile and show people your teeth. I just it's so frustrating because I I think it's because I feel bad for them. I just I I feel like what a waste. And I just feel like they're wasting their lives by living in fear. And I know it's none of my business, so it shouldn't affect me that way. But I just feel like, you know, you're you're wasting your God-given human potential by just being scared all the time. Couldn't have said it better myself, She-Devil. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we've got a, a hyper chat from History Club World. Down in Medicine Hat, we have a private radiology place. I know you... You can do x-rays, ultrasound. I think it's possible to get MRIs done there as well. Follow History Club World on Instagram. I know there's lots of private um, ultrasound clinics because um, you can get like the fancy 3D ultrasounds. You can pay for those so that you can see your baby's face before they're born and whatnot. Yeah, there are some privatized clinics in Canada that were grandfathered after, you know, yeah. the healthcare system came in. I, I know in the Thornhill area, the Shouldice Clinic, it does hernia operations. Fancy that. Um, the late Jack Layton, when he was leader of the NDP, he went to the Shouldice Clinic mm -hmm. uh, and uh, said later, oh, what a whopper, for even for you, Jack. Oh, I didn't know it was a private clinic. You know, uh, Jack, here's the you first clue. It. it wasn't a, a public clinic. The it, copy of National Geographic on in the waiting room was the current edition, not one from a decade ago. Yeah, you knew that was a private clinic. Nice try, though. <laughs> when they handed you a bill, <laughs> you know, like, that have been your first clue? But uh, as Andrew Wilkow says, socialism is for the people and never for the socialists, Correct. right? Um, we've got a rumble from R.D. Uh, Ardal, uh, New York City orders restaurants and gyms to demand proof of vaccination from all customers. Yeah, um, I, I guess proven I get, at this point. I, I would say it was proven that report concluded that uh, Cuomo sexually harassed all those women. Yeah. Um, and and now uh, he wants even more uh, information from vulnerable people. He wants uh, restaurants to enforce uh, vaccination passports, basically. Yeah, this is a Mayor de Blasio uh, initiative, uh, Sheila. And as I understand it, 66% of the New York City adult population is vaccinated. But yeah. this is uh, what was once scoffed at a year ago, if you recall, the whole idea of a vaccine passport. Here's some more proof in the pudding or the cherry cheesecake if uh, you're in Ontario. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny because it used to take a long time for my conspiracy theories to be proven true. <laughs> but they're, it's happening a lot faster than it used to be like, Oh, Hollywood is some disgusting Sodom and Gomorrah where, you know, there are pedophile rings and people are being sex trafficked. Oh, Sheila, you're crazy. Five years later, I'm like, ah, Sheila was not crazy. But now, <laughs> like eight, eight months ago, if you said, yeah, they're going to bring in vaccine passports, you were crazy. 
So instead of like five years, uh, they've shaved half a decade off my conspiracy theory manifestations. You know what, Sheila? I would love it for the rest of the year if you talk in the third person. Sheila was not crazy. <laughs> Sheila thinks it's time to go. Sheila hungry. You know, kind of like you're the our own She-Hulk talking here. <laughs> yeah. What's that? What was that on uh, Seinfeld? Oh Jimmy? yeah. You remember? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jimmy likes Elaine. Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, uh, hyper chat uh, from. A history Club World, is there any way Alberta can get the mayor out of the Senate? Nope, it's too late. We don't really have a say. It's just accepted convention that we elect him and then the prime minister appoints them. Mm. But they really don't have to follow our rules because there's no um, changes to the Constitution. So um, it's just it was just a decent, respectful thing that prior prime ministers have done. Um, but... Justin Trudeau is neither decent nor respectful of Alberta. And Jean Chrétien also did this when he appointed Tommy Banks. Mm. Um, I think it was in 1990 or I forget. It was a long time ago. But anyways, we had two reform senators in waiting and Chrétien passed them over and appointed his guy. I forgot so. about that, actually. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a liberal thing that they do. They just love to do it to us. And then they say, why? Why are they so disgruntled in Alberta? Why do they want to leave? I don't know if I had my like, again, conspiracy theories, if you were a Western separatist plant in the prime minister's office, would you do anything differently than Justin Trudeau? Huh? Great point. Huh? No. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the answer's no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've got a super you from bird dog. Every ballot should have a none of the above. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, his uh, Secondly, is there any way Alberta can bust these unions? History Club World asked us. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess the best way to bust a union, as we saw in Wisconsin, I think it was, was to give people a choice mm. to, to join a union and give these unions money to fund political activities. Because once you give people a choice, they that's the reason why unions are so opposed to right to work legislation because yep. they know if you give people a choice, they are not going to join. And so I guess that's the best way is to just, you don't have to bust a union, just give the choice to the worker. And the unions will bust themselves <laughs> by being awful. Uh, we've got a rumble from on the bit. My friend just got an email to have her son vaccinated before school starts. Oh. Mm. Uh, this is a, a okay. bit of a trend right now, isn't it, Sheila? We're getting lots of tips about that. Yeah, I, I, it's not really being uh, something that I've seen in Alberta because we are not vaccinating kids under the age of 12. Um, but, it, you know, it, it again, from these like pro-union protests that were happening over the weekend and that are allegedly ongoing, um, it's uh, they really want kids to be vaccinated. They want other people's kids to be vaccinated, even though no child under the age of 20 has died in Alberta. Not one. Not one. I think in Ontario, it's three, but all three had underlying uh, conditions. Uh, for example, one uh, tragically had leukemia. But you're saying in Alberta, it's actually zero. Yeah, I think there might have been one, but uh, it had serious comorbidity. Mm. So, um 
like likewise in Ontario, it's just kids just aren't a risk. But these, again, I call them childless comorbidities because if you've seen pictures, you're like, okay, well, I get why they're a little bit scared about COVID. Um, They've got some lifestyle choices they need to change. Um, But they want other people's kids to be vaccinated, which I think is insane. Um, We've got a hyper chat of $10 from Fraser. And based on the use of capitalization, I'm going to say this is Fraser McBurney, uh, fight the fines recidivist. Uh, The PCR tests that can't tell the difference between a cough, a sniffle, a cold, or the regular flu or the COVID-19 flu. The CDC has banned the use of the PCR test. Do you know what that means? Well, that means all the figures they use for the China flu are wrong and useless. Deal with it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they... It can't differentiate between COVID-19 and the flu, which explains why there were no flu cases uh, last year in Alberta whatsoever. Um, but it also means that all the numbers they use to lock us down are artificially inflated. Yep. Uh, we've got a hyper chat from Juice Moose that one year for the MRI was after almost a five-year struggle to get a surgeon who would do the replacement. Yeah, I, I'm oh hearing a lot of that. Oh, God. That's yeah. crazy. Six years in total. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, had to have knee replacement, and she has a similar story. Um, and lastly, it makes uh, from Wendy Walk. Uh, it makes me angry because the sheep are driving this madness. The powers that be would not be able to do this to us without them. Yeah, that's I true. Um, you know, we have. Uh, we got to talk about Australia's forever lockdown, even though we're five minutes past the hour. Why? Because it's in the title of the YouTube video and we'll get emails. And by we, I mean me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you want to introduce? Oh, sorry. The, 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 this, yeah. of course, is the Australian cop, I understand, uh, Sheila, yes. who is frustrated by the rules. Why don't we just jump right to the clip right now? Please. I saw you on TV last night. Me? Last night. On YouTube. Ah. Oh. Insert that paper. What was that you, paper? You're a fan. What was that paper? Mexico. What do you know? You live in Dandenong? In Dandenong? No, I don't live in Dandenong. What do you do? Why would the Dandenong come and see you? I don't know. You should know that. Not me. Okay, mate. I'm a broad man. I'm broad. So I know. I didn't come and see you. You definitely didn't come to serve, but you probably served someone who looks like me in broad You're an investigative reporter, so I hear all the time on YouTube stuff. Yeah, sure. Tell me why I'm not allowed to play golf in Victoria. I'm with you. I agree. I think. Why aren't I? You said why well, I'm not let him play golf. You seem upset about it. Why can't we? I like it. Come on. You're on our side. No, get on it. Do you like golf? Are you a golfer? I'm a golfer, mate. And you're upset? This is where I'd be today. What's the point? You'd be playing golf if you were allowed to help play golf. If I was, that's right. I'm already looking at it. And I'm it's on Dan. Yeah. Bloody Dan, isn't he? Rabbit. No, that's not okay. That's my thoughts on golf. That's your lifetime as well. I don't give a shit. I don't say it. Oh, you're saying it? He hates golf. He's my partner. I'll go somewhere. Turn around. See you later. Hopefully next week you got some golf, eh? Come out to Brody. I need security in Brody. No, you won't, mate. I'm the sheriff. You'll be right. You know, Sheila, how cool is that? They're all speaking English, and we have to subtitle it so we can understand it on this side of the pond. But that's my kind of cop, A. And B, how wonderful to see... Avi Amini uh, surrounded by cops and not being gang tackled and thrown in the back <laughs> yeah. of a paddy wagon, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's it's interesting to see these cops in a like a moment of honesty. They're treating Avi with respect. They're laughing. They're joking. It's a it's a good interaction for once. And I think for an 
maybe Avi's got a different viewpoint, but uh, like as a Canadian on the outside looking in, I think at this point with this lockdown and with the rest of the world and a lot of places in the Commonwealth moving towards freedom, uh, I think even the cops say, no, this is this is too much. What's happening here is it's too far. Yeah. And, you know, there are cops all over that do feel that way. Uh, I got uh, an interview with one in like 15 minutes. Yeah, there oh, are. <laughs> okay, well, 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 no, it's okay. We don't have to wrap up, but I'm just I, I'm agreeing with you. There are really good cops out there who are just saying, eh. This is, I'm not doing this anymore. I got uh, other things to do. 100%. I, I met the wife of a cop, and she said at her uh, the division where her husband works, Sheila, I think I might have told this story, 50% of the cops say, we did not sign up for this. This is garbage, tackling people by themselves, holding a Canadian flag. I hate this. But the other 50% think they're doing God's uh, work. Uh, they really do. They're all vested in. They're, they bought into this. And within the division, it's created tension. There are those that want a laissez-faire. They want people to be able to protest freely. And there's the others that say, no, we, um, we need a quota and we need to whack them and stack them, as they say in the park. And that's tragic. But it, it just shows you not everybody you know, in law enforcement you know, are the COVID Karens of the world out there. Well, and I think it also goes to show that cops are just people too. Yeah. Like they are, they are just as um, vulnerable to constant fear porn brainwashing as the rest of us. And I think that's what's happened to, you know, some of those cops. I mean, some of them are just quota hires that check the right boxes. And some of them are people who have been successfully brainwashed by the mainstream media. Yep. And the rest are cops who got into policing because they care about actual safety, making their community safer and protecting Canadians. And so, I mean, that's, they are just normal people like the rest of us. Totally agree, Sheila. Well, listen, I know you've got that interview you've got to prep for, so we better wrap it here. We're already 10 minutes over time, so thank you to Justin behind the board there. A special thank you to all you people that sent in whatever we're calling money these days, cryptocurrencies, libraries. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the thought that counts, and a special thank you, of course, to my co-host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. I'm David Menzies signing off. Ezra will be here tomorrow. We'll see you back on Thursday. In the meantime, stay sane.